0: Yeah. Oh, y'all yeah. oh, want all of oh, you, you beautiful ladies want to say, Oh, what do you want to say? Oh, we'll you yourself. wonderful. you everybody? Hey, they're going to sell those pork chops this morning, aren't they? Oh, yeah, oh, I'm, I'm going to tell you. them that going to John said he was going
1: to get them ready. You, you want, want to say? I think John said he was going to, to get them ready to sell them. They're already ready. They're
0: already
1: ready. They're ready. Okay. Okay. Well, in uh, yeah. Oh, yeah. But he can go in there
0: and take up the money. He, he can, can take the money. How much are they a piece? Do you want oh, to say a little blurb about it? Yeah. 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 I, uh, measure, okay. It? Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Great. Thanks. Put me right in the I already called Pull your chair out. Oh, listen. Okay. Do you want to pull I think they went to I have to well, know Somebody already said like we need to move. We're down. We need to put the picture. Yeah. We need the picture. Yeah. We'll yeah. get that done this week. You ready? Oh. Never mind. What do you say? Chime the hours. You can hear me. We
2: have important stuff that we need to discuss. We're supposed
0: to have one today. Are you having it? Oh, uh, I'll announce that too. <laughs> okay, I'll announce it. No <laughs> you <laughs>
1: good morning
0: morning.
1: everybody remember dr tim's on a much-needed little getaway him and um susan and the girls good old nathaniel stayed here to do media shout though and do his band competition thank you nathaniel
0: Uh
1: welcome to community baptist church we're glad you're here don't forget the You know what, you just can't get away from Community Baptist. That's awesome. Thank you, Pam. Don't forget the little maroon folders at the end of each aisle. Please sign those for us so we can have a record of your attendance. And as we can see, fall break is alive and well in Henderson, Kentucky. So we are down on folks, we're down on children, but they'll be back in full force. Um, Just a couple of announcements. The trustees will meet today at four o'clock. Youth Advisory Team, Allie, have you heard from Mary Rye? So you're assuming it will also meet today? Okay, so we, today on the calendar we have trustees meeting at 4 and Youth Advisory Team meeting at 4. Uh, we have this blood drive coming up October 15th. Jika, you still signing folks up for the blood drive? Okay. Remember, no choir practice, no dinner this Wednesday night, no children's activities. Are you having youth activities, Allie? No youth activities because of fall break. So we'll be back. Everybody get some much-needed rest. And speaking of rest, it's been a wild four days here at Community Baptist Church. I told Reverend Pierce when he walked in that as of yesterday at 3 o'clock, this was a garage sale. And now it's a church. So, I'm going to ask Christine to come up and tell us a little bit, or Sybil, or both. They worked hard. We need to give them and everybody else a big old round of applause. I'm going to have Christine tell you how it went. Well, first, we want to thank everybody who donated items. We want to thank everybody who came out and worked. We especially want to thank our uh, grilling crew. We had some wonderful, wonderful food. And we do have a little bit left over. We packaged it up. So if you do want to buy any pork chops or hamburgers to take home with you today for lunch, we had those back in the kitchen. Uh, I, I'm not exactly sure how much our expenses were, but I'm pretty sure that we netted right around $2,000. So it was a really yeah. good fundraiser. Yeah. So, so. So with that and with the Sure Barbecue, we have replenished our uh, mission and ministry fund. And so now we've got to come up with some ideas of how we want to spend that money in our community. So we, we just want to thank everybody. And as always, let's stand each up and greet each other in the name of our Heavenly Father.
3: bow our heads, we bend our knees, O Spirit, come, make us humble. We turn our eyes from evil things, O Lord, we cast down our idols, so give us clean hands and give us pure. Let us not lift our souls to another. So give us clean hands, oh God. Give us pure hearts. Let us not lift our souls.
0: Bow our heads,
3: we bend our knees. Oh, Spirit, come make us humble. We turn our eyes to evil things. Oh, Lord, we cast down our idols. So give us clean hands, give us pure hearts. Let us not lift our souls to another. Give us clean hands, O God, give us pure hearts. Let us not lift our souls to another. O God, let this be a chance.
1: in our responsive reading for the day divine companion we should recognize you by now we've followed you down countless roads watching you with keen attention how can you be a stranger to us
0: lord open our eyes to you again burn your truth into our hearts Stay with us until your presence becomes a
3: reality to our souls.
1: Because you have called us friends, let us live into that name with our unending devotion, our deepest listening, and our genuine trust.
0: Envelop whatever blessing, mending, caring, healing,
1: welcoming, reconciling acts of love that we can offer our earthly companions within the loving legacy
0: of divine friendship. Amen.
2: Let's stand and sing. Hymn number 129.
4: today as we read Luke 24:13 through 35. Now on that same day, two of them were going to a village called Emmaus, about seven miles from Jerusalem, and talking with each other about these things that had happened. While they were talking and discussing, Jesus, Jesus himself came near and went with them, but their eyes were kept from recognizing him. And he said to them, "'What are you discussing with each other while you walk along?' They stood still, looking sad. Then one of them, whose name was Cleopas, answered him, "'Are you the only stranger in Jerusalem "'who does not know the things that have taken place there in these days?' He asked them, "'What things?' They replied, "'The things about Jesus of Nazareth, "'who was a prophet, mighty in deed and word, "'before God and all the people.'" And how our chief priests and leaders handed him over to be condemned to death and crucified him. But we had hoped that he was the one to redeem Israel. Yes, and besides all this, it is now the third day since these things took place. Moreover, some women of our group astonished. They were at the tomb early this morning, and when they did not find his body there... Then, beginning with Moses and all the prophets, he interpreted to them the things about himself in all the scriptures. As they came near the village to which they were going, he walked ahead as if he were going on. But they urged him strongly, saying, Stay with us, because it's almost evening and the day is now nearly over. So he went in to stay with them. When he was at the table with them, he took bread, blessed and broke it, and gave it to them. And he has appeared to Simon. Then they took what had happened on the road and how he had been made known to them in the breaking of the bread.
1: I see that. I thought you guys were at a football game. No? Is that next weekend? You don't know. Are you guys doing okay? All right. Happy fall break. I've got a story for you this morning, and you're not going to believe this story because it kind of leads into what you're going to do with Kelsey upstairs today. I'm going to be staying down here today, but Kelsey wants to go upstairs with you. Is that okay? All right. You ready? One day, some moms and dads decided to take their children to see Jesus. Mm. They wanted Jesus to hold their children and talk to them. The children wanted to see Jesus too. They were all very excited and happy as they made their way toward Jesus through a crowd of people. But as the children got closer to Jesus, his grown-up followers stopped them. What if they wouldn't let you come up? What if if folks in our church wouldn't let you come up to Children's Church with me? Would I be sad? Or what if they wouldn't let you go to Miss Lana's class or Miss Sue's class? look what these guys did. Don't you see Jesus is busy? They scolded. He doesn't have time for kids. Do you think Jesus would really say that? That he doesn't have time for you all? I don't think so. How do you think those children felt when they heard that? How do you think, Meg? what do you think joe any idea how would you feel if somebody stood the you would feel sad wouldn't you gray if somebody stood at the door and said you can't come in here you guys are too loud you're too much trouble no that's not what jesus wants us to do can you think of a time a parent or a grown-up friend was too busy to play with you you know i can remember telling kelsey and jake that i'm too busy to, Mm -hmm. to sit down and talk with them is that what i should do the parents and the children were surprised when Jesus' friends told them to go away. They felt sad, just like you said. They had gotten so close to Jesus, one or two of the little children began to cry. How do you think you'd cry if, they were, if you were turned away from seeing Jesus? I think you'd cry pretty loud. Yeah. Just then, Jesus saw what was going on. He was upset with his followers for telling the children to go away. <coughs> Of course he wanted to see the children. They were important to him. Let the little children come to me. Don't stop them. They are important. Do you guys know how important you are to our church? You're very important to our church. My Father's kingdom belongs to children like these. You guys will be sitting up there in the choir when you grow up, and you'll be sitting out there with your families when you grow up. That's why you're so important to us. It was funny to see Cassie come in. Cassie used to be sitting right here. And now she's a mama and she's got her baby here. Let the little children come to me. Don't stop them. They are important. My father's kingdom belongs to children like these. You should be like them. Then Jesus took the children in his arms. He put his hands on them and he blessed them. And we're all very proud of you all for being at church this morning. And the sheet that you're going to do today is, I have decided to follow Jesus. And we we know that you have already decided to follow Jesus because your parents care so much about you to have you here. Okay? So I'll let you go with Kelsey today, and you have a good time at children's worship. Thank you. pray with me please give us lord a heart that gladly gives even as you gave yourself all for us we may that we may give our all to you we dedicate this money lord for the work of the church and we ask you to use all that we have and are in your service we ask these things in
4: christ's name amen
1: I know that you'll help me give uh, Reverend Joe Bob Pierce a warm welcome to Community Baptist Church. <laughs> we were going to do that. You didn't have to do that. Um, as you can see in the bulletin, uh, Reverend Pierce is from Third Baptist Church in Owensboro. He is a licensed pastoral counselor and a licensed marriage and family therapist. See, John, he's a licensed marriage counselor. And family therapist... And his practice, Cornerstone Cornerstone Counseling, is housed in 3rd Baptist. Joe previously was a counselor for Sunrise Children's Services and did private counseling in Owensboro. He graduated from Southern Baptist Theological Seminary and obtained his Master's in Counseling at Christian Theological Seminary in Indianapolis. Again, let's give a community Baptist church welcome to Reverend Joe Bob Pierce.
2: Thank you, Mary, and, and uh, thanks to all of you for having me here today. It's just a delight to be at Community Baptist. I think I visited here um, several years ago, and um, but I, I couldn't remember exactly exactly when that was. But it's very nice to be back. And um, I gotta say, I I, um, I play a little bluegrass music on the side, <clears throat> and I just say that because I. I uh, played a gig last night in uh, in uh, Central City, Kentucky at the Merle Travis Theater down there and the banjo player was Mike Hobson. And so um so I walk into the service today and lo and behold here is Mike's twin brother Mark. Uh, Mark says he's the good-looking one. Actually, they're identical twins, but but, but he is the good-looking one. I'll tell you that. Um, Mike, being a banjo player, takes a lot of abuse because uh, bluegrass bands are notorious for making jokes about banjo players. For instance, <clears throat> I'll just tell you one. You know what you say to a banjo player in a three-piece suit? Will the defendant please rise? <laughs> So um, so anyway, that's the deal about banjo players, and I'm past my shock now, so it's, it's, it's great to be here and uh, <clears throat> to be uh, spending the weekend with the Notorious Hobson Brothers. That's, that's a great thing, so <laughs> it's uh, good all around. Um, I bring you greetings uh, from Third Baptist Church, your sister uh, cooperative uh, Baptist Church in Owensboro, and uh, we have services at 10:45 on Sunday morning, also. And so I remember them uh, fondly as we as we worship together and and share in this time together. Um, the story that uh, Bev read from the 24th chapter of Luke, of course, uh, Luke 24 is the Resurrection chapter of the Gospel of Luke, and it talks about basically all of the things that happened uh, when Jesus was uh, risen from the dead. And um, you know the, the the chapter begins Luke twenty four with um, the the first part of this chapter talks about the women going down to the tomb. You know Jesus was crucified. Um, on a Friday night or on a Friday afternoon died on Friday afternoon and of course when the sun sets on Friday night that is the beginning of the Jewish Sabbath and Jesus uh, being Jewish and his followers being Jewish were very concerned because you were forbidden by Jewish law to touch a dead body on the Sabbath and so and so Of course, you remember the story from the Gospels about how they hurriedly took Jesus' lifeless body off of the cross and quickly buried him in a tomb. And the women, of course, who followed Jesus um, all through his ministry marked the place where he was buried so that they could go and anoint his body on Sunday morning after the Sabbath was over when the sun rose. On Sunday morning, the women went to take care of Jesus, and what they wanted to do was give him a proper burial, just like we want to do when someone that we're close to passes away. We want to give them um, a proper memorial and a proper burial. And so the women took the uh, spices that they used to, to clean a body and to anoint a body, and they took it down to the tomb And, of course, you know the story about how they found that the stone was rolled away. And they run into the tomb and they see these angels. And uh, uh, this messenger is uh, standing there and asks them this famous question, Why seek ye the living among the dead? And the women run out and, um, of course, they are very shocked and amazed at this discovery not quite knowing what all of this means. And they run back and they tell the disciples. And the Gospel of Luke records that uh, the disciples did not believe them, that this sounded to them as an idle tale. And then we continue in the 24th chapter of Luke, and we get to our central passage this morning for the sermon, and that is uh, the story of the two disciples that are on the road to Emmaus. They're walking along. They have decided, for whatever reason, to leave Jerusalem and go back to Emmaus. Uh, biblical archaeology and archaeologists have never discovered exactly where the town of Emmaus was. Of course, this was uh, two millennia ago, and so a lot of the places that existed back in Jesus' time are are nothing now but uh, but uh, ground that is unremarkable in any way until it's discovered. But the the Scripture tells us that the town of Emmaus was about seven miles from Jerusalem and uh, would not be too hard of a walk. And so these disciples are walking to Emmaus. Scripture tells us that Jesus, the risen Lord, came and walked along beside them, and they did not recognize who he was. And so... And so, as they're talking about the events that happened, um, Jesus uh, sort of interrupts them and says what are you what are you talking about?" You know if you've ever walked into a situation or walked in on people who are talking about something, you know you try and be polite and you don't you don't butt in you'll kind of stand and and maybe you'll hear them talking some more, and you'll sort of crane your neck a little bit and get your ear over there and and finally, after a few minutes, if you can't figure out what it is they're t- talking about, you might just say, you know, what are you talking about? Who, who is this, who's this person you're talking about, or what is it that happened? And this is kind of the feeling that I get as I read the Scripture, that, that um, Jesus says to them, what are, what are these things that you're talking about? And uh, the only disciple whose name we get, Cleopas, says to him, um, we're, we're talking about the things that have happened in Jerusalem, and Jesus says, what things? You know, it's it's kind of curious, really. Uh, and and Cleopas says to Jesus, well, basically in the vernacular, he says, man, you must be the only guy in town that hasn't heard what's going on. Have you ever had someone say that to you? You, you must really be in the dark about things. Have you been under a rock or something like that? And so anyway, Cleopas talks to uh, Jesus about them having followed Jesus in his ministry and believing in his power as a, a prophet. And um, and so th- Jesus says to uh, says to Cleopas and the other disciple, uh, "You foolish men and slow of heart to believe all that the prophets have written." And then Jesus explains to them about the scripture. They come to the town of Emmaus. The disciples are Ready to go uh, into their home. And Jesus looks as if he's walking on farther. And the disciples say to him, because the sun is about to set, it's starting to get dark. And they say to him, in true Christian hospitality, listen, you don't need to be out on the road at night. Uh, traveling in ancient Palestine was very dangerous at night anyway. And usually, when you went somewhere, you tried to find some place that you could stop where there were people you knew or where you knew that there was an inn. Or a place to stay. <clears throat> Excuse me. And so, um, and so they invite Jesus to come in. He accepts their offer. Jesus sits down uh, at dinner with them, and breaks bread with them and prays. <clears throat> and when they pray, when Jesus prays, they recognize him, and poof, he sort of vanishes from their side. It's a very, very interesting and and curious passage. <clears throat> One thing that I would like to say that strikes me about this story and and has a lot of meaning to me as a counselor is that Jesus appears to his disciples, to these two disciples, when they are having a really rough time, when they are very discouraged. We don't know exactly what the reason is that these disciples decided to leave the other disciples And go home to Emmaus. But I don't imagine that it was a good reason that they left. And in fact, as we read this uh, chapter 24, we see how discouraged um, these disciples are. That they look at Jesus and the scripture specifically says they stood uh, there with Jesus looking sad. They were very discouraged. The Messiah, the one that they believed, was going to rescue Israel and going to show them and lead them into new life, had been crucified and buried. And so they, they were having a very rough time. And I think that this truth about the Scripture is pertinent to us today, to all of us, that we can expect God's presence in our life sometimes when we are having the roughest of times. You know, um, you don't live too long in life before you experience some sort of discouragement, some sort of disappointment. I always get a a kick out of uh, March Madness every year. You know, all these these 64 teams are selected for um, there's a basketball tournament you may have heard of at the NCAA. (laughs) And uh, all these teams get seated and and they go to these different regions and and they play these games. And then as the, the month of March wears on, slowly but surely, all of these teams who have their huge fan base, who believe that their team is the one that's going to win the whole shooting match, they go to these games and they root for their teams and they believe in their coaches and the fans are just having a, a great time and cheering for their team, and slowly but surely, every team loses except for one. Now, we all know which one it is we'd like to see win, but, but the fact of the matter is that this is a discouragement to the fans. You know, this is, this is something that's kind of difficult to endure, particularly if, if your team makes it quite a ways in the bracket. But the fact of the matter is 63 out of 64 teams experience the same thing, and that is discouragement, and that is loss. Now, sports team is a relatively uh, minor thing. Uh, discouragement or disappointment about your team losing is a relative, relatively minor thing compared to some of the other deeper losses that people experience. We might lose a job. We might be estranged from a friend or estranged from a family member or from our spouse. And then there's the most profound loss, which is when someone who's very close to us becomes seriously ill or dies. And it's, it's in those times that we feel fragile. You know, it's in those times that our emotional skin gets worn really thin And it is a time that we begin to experience this sensitivity to life. And this belief that um, or this feeling that we are much more fragile. Lawrence Holst, who has written a lot about grief, says that in reality, we are no more fragile during a crisis than we are the rest of the time. We only feel more fragile because Our illusions of invincibility have been swept away. Our illusions of invincibility have been swept away. In other words, we can no longer fool ourselves. We can no longer pretend that life can't hurt us, that life can't injure us in some way, or that we can't experience grief or loss. And this is the way I believe that these disciples felt as they were walking home to Emmaus, and yet this is the very time that Jesus chose to walk along beside them when they were discouraged, when they were feeling weak, when they were feeling fragile. And so this is a, an important lesson that I think that this scripture teaches us about the times that, that God can come very close to us are in these times when we feel very shaken, and when we feel emotionally very sensitized and very fragile. Another thing I want to say about this passage passage that is interesting to me is that Jesus comes to the disciples as they are walking somewhere. If you read about Jesus' ministry, and you know very much at all, Jesus was not a man of means. He did not have a lot of money. Neither did his disciples. And so they pretty much... Walked everywhere they went, which was very common in Jesus' day. Um, They did not have uh, beasts of burden to carry them around. They did not have a lot of servants. If they had to get somewhere, they usually walked. And walking is something that Jesus and his disciples did day in and day out. It was very ordinary. It was just a very plain, um, you know, um, unremarkable thing to do. To walk somewhere, it reminds me of uh, reminds me a little bit of this story of the young man who uh, was going to get his driver's license and he he hits up his dad and he says, dad, I'm, I'm going to get my driver's license. Um, do you think it's about time to buy me a car? And his dad said, well, son, uh, you know, we might be able to work out a deal. I've I've just really not liked the way you wear your hair. It's so long. I just wonder if you'd be willing to get a haircut. And uh, I might I might think about getting you a car. And the boy being a, a, a good church kid said, well, dad, Jesus had long hair. And the man said, yes, son. And Jesus walked everywhere he went. So. Uh, so, you know, walking really was something that Jesus did do, um, and and it was something that was very ordinary, very ordinary. Have you ever gotten one of those envelopes in the mail that says, you may have already won a million dollars, you know, and uh, it's a publisher's clearing house sweepstakes, and how many of those have you gotten in the mail? I mean, you take it straight to the trash can and throw it away, right? And then you're, uh, then you're watching TV and a commercial comes on. And it's a publisher's clearinghouse sweepstakes. And you know what you see is you see the, the prize van. And it, uh, it says prize van on the side of it. And uh, all painted up. And it, and it pulls down a, a, a city street. <clears throat> and it's a very ordinary street. And the van pulls up in front of a very ordinary looking yard and you look up and it's a very ordinary looking house and they walk up and they knock on a very ordinary looking door and the person opens it and it's just a very ordinary looking person a person that looks like us I mean they could have just been doing the dishes or drinking a cup of coffee or watching the news or whatever. And, oh, there's a knock at the door. And they go to the door, and it's just a plain old person that opens the door. And when they open it, all of a sudden, they're wondrously, marvelously, unimaginably rich. And they're crying, and the neighbors are coming over and bringing them flowers and balloons. And you you hear that little song in the background that says, It could happen to you. Boy, you, you run over to the trash can and you pull out that Publishers Clearinghouse sweepstakes and you, you fill in to order those magazines just hoping it could happen to you. But really, this is the wonderful thing about this story, is that Jesus came to the disciples when they were doing something very ordinary. They weren't at church. They weren't in the middle of a prayer circle they weren't baptizing anybody. They weren't having some profound spiritual experience. Jesus came and walked with them. Just something very plain. Have you ever had an experience of God's presence in a profound way? You know, occasionally this happens to us. At least I, I believe that it does. Now, some people have these sort of experiences uh, on a routine basis, and uh, that's, that's really neat. But there are these times where, I, I know for myself, I, I get this sense that everything is just like it's supposed to be. You know, that, every, that I feel a great sense of peace, and I, I feel a sense that God's in his heaven and all's right with the world. I don't know if you've had that experience or not, but I've had a number of people talk to me about their experiences of God's presence. And more times than not, it was not when they were in church. Now, I I think we ought to have church, and I think it's great for us to worship God and to come together as a community of faith. But God is just as likely to visit you and bring you a sense of whatever it is you need to know and whatever you need to experience when you're doing something very ordinary. It might be fixing dinner. It might be in the middle of your lunch hour. It might be when you're talking to a colleague at work. There is no telling when it is that Jesus might come and walk along beside you and be a real presence in your life. And then the other thing that I want to say about this passage is that Jesus is recognized when he blesses the meal that he shares with these two disciples. I I think that probably not only was walking something that Jesus did a lot, but Jesus ate with his disciples very often. You know, um, my... uh, father is a retired minister himself and was pastor for many many years and and I'm I'm the oldest of, of four children and I remember when we would eat together as a family my dad for many 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 years I, I don't know how far back he's had this little prayer that he prays at the dinner table and it's it's not a real fancy prayer. It's, it's kind of um, it's one he made up, I guess, along the way. And, uh, and it's, the, it's pretty much the, the same prayer. Now when I go to visit my parents uh, and, and we sit down for a meal, my dad prays that same prayer. You know, if, if I ever sat down at a dinner table with somebody or sat down to eat and somebody prayed that prayer, you know, I would know that that person knew something about me, and I would very likely know something about that that person. That would be that would be a special experience for me. Now, it says here that Jesus was was recognized in the breaking of the bread, and and breaking bread together is very important. Of course, we have the Lord's Supper where we we kind of share this this formal. Uh, communion time, which is a good thing and is an act of worship, but also it's a very good thing. I think that this scripture is a good proof text for church fellowships, you know. Because if you want to get to know somebody well or get to know them better, what do you do? Well, you usually invite them over to the house for dinner or you go out to eat and you sit down across from them and you watch them eat. They watch you eat. You know, you, sometimes you can learn a lot about people that way. But, but it's not just that you're learning about uh, how a person eats, but it is, an, it is an experience of being drawn together, of sharing in one of these things that we do in life, and that is to, um, to eat, to sustain ourselves, and, and to experience this, this communion and this sense of being together. And I believe that Jesus very well could not have been kept from the disciples recognizing him. Because uh, I I want you just to to listen to this again. It's uh, verse 30 of this Luke 24. When he was at the table with them, he took bread, gave thanks, broke it, and began to give it to them. Then their eyes were opened. Does that scripture sound uh, a little familiar to you? Like in 1 Corinthians 11, our Lord on the night he was betrayed, took the bread and blessed and broke it and gave it to them. This is kind of a reminder of what Jesus did with his disciples every time. Jesus' life, much like ours should be, was a life of holiness and a life of giving thanks, and a life of believing that God sustains us in every moment. So, Jesus came to his disciples when they were having a very hard time, having a very rough time. Jesus came to his disciples in the middle of an ordinary moment, in the middle of an ordinary day, in the middle of an ordinary activity. And that the life of holiness and of giving thanks to God is what we should be about also. Let us pray. Our Heavenly Father, we thank you for Jesus who chose to walk with his disciples. Who came in love to minister to them and to teach them about himself, how to live and how to be holy. We thank you for this time of worship, and we pray as we sing together now that you would bless us and that you would lead us to make whatever decision you would have us to make. For we ask in Christ's name, amen. Our um, closing hymn is hymn number 285. Wherever he leads, I'll go. Shall we stand as we sing together? for the opportunity to uh, be here with you today and uh, I, I thank Brother Tim for asking me and um, if you uh, enjoyed the sermon I, I appreciate that very much and if you didn't uh, just uh, keep your mouth shut it's about that so. <laughs> so, uh, I hope you have a good day and I, I hope to uh, visit you again before too long let us bow for our benediction Uh, Go now in peace under the umbrella of God's love, knowing that he walks with you in the spectacular places and in the ordinary places that you may carry his love into this community and into this world. And now may the God of hope fill you with all joy and peace as you trust in him so that you may overflow with hope by the power of the Holy Spirit. Amen. Yeah, you know what? I was thinking of that. We can uh, rope your brother into it. Yeah, oh, we can just put something over yeah. here and do a little oh, music. Oh, he's played here before. Right? Oh, has he? Okay. Of course he has. His, his has his 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 his, yeah. I,